Welcome back to the Harvard Center for International Development's weekly speaker series podcast. This week, we are joined by Zainab Qureshi, the LEAPS, Learning and Educational Achievement in Pakistan Schools, Senior Program Manager at the Center for International Development's EPOD, Evidence for Policy Design. We will be talking about EPOD's recent research on alleviating system-level constraints to improve student learning outcomes in Pakistan. I'm sitting down with Zainab after her appearance in the CID speaker series at Harvard Kennedy School on December 6, 2019. Thank you so much for joining our podcast. Happy to be here. For those listening, could you give us a brief summary of your background and the research and work you are doing? I come from a background in education implementation, really. This was my first job in academia, and it's quite a different approach and worldview to the way people here deal with education challenges. But it's been very interesting, and it's been a great learning experience. I am managing the the LEAPS program right now, which I'll go into in a little bit. But LEAPS basically comprises of a bunch of different studies and experiments that are happening, all of which are based on education in Pakistan, working around the central question of how do you improve student learning outcomes in a low-income setting. Can you tell us exactly what LEAPS is? Sure. So like you said, LEAP stands for Learning and Educational Achievements in Pakistan Schools. It's quite a mouthful. And it is a research program that began essentially as a mapping exercise in 2003. It's led by Professor Asim Khwaja at the Harvard Kennedy School, Professor Tahir Andrabi at Pomona College, and Dr. Jishnu Das at Georgetown University. And LEAPS began as, like I said, a mapping study of the education landscape in the province of Punjab in Pakistan. They started by basically trying to figure out what is happening, what is going on in three districts of Punjab, so north, central, and south. And they did this by doing large-scale interviews and testing of about 12,000 students in over 800 schools in 112 villages in these three districts. And since then, we've gone through six rounds of data collection in different years. We did rounds in 2004, 2005, 2006, then one in 2011, and the most recent one in 2018, which actually just ended in 2019. And what's super exciting is, well, the first LEAPS report came out in 2008, but what's super exciting now is that what we have right now is effectively the longest running longitudinal study in any low-income country in the world. And we've tracked about 6,000 of the original 12,000 respondents who were at that, who were in 2003, who were primary school students and are now young adults. And so we can actually map returns to investment on education. And we're excited to see what, 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 what we see in terms of labor market outcomes, life choices, uh, migration decisions, marriage decisions, fertility decisions. So we have all of that coming out soon, hopefully. But beyond that, LEAPS also encompasses sort of what is now a range of different studies and experiments in different areas within education that look at how certain interventions can be designed to alleviate certain obstacles that people are facing to be able to improve education outcomes. What are the main findings so far and what implications do they have for education policy? So like I said, LEAPS is not one study. It's an umbrella of multiple studies. Going back to the original LEAPS report that came out in 2008, there were some pretty stark findings, right? So one of the big findings was that education in Pakistan is an active marketplace. As of this year, 42% of all school-going kids are enrolled in low-cost private schools that have mushroomed up all over the country in the last few decades. And so 
almost half of all education delivery is now happening by the private sector. Other big things Leaps found was what these low-cost private schools look like, their profiles, they're charging really low fee per month to something to the tune of less than 500 rupees a month, which is less than $4 a month. They pay their teachers a fraction of what public schools pay their teachers. Over the last decade, they have consistently outperformed public schools. But the biggest leaps finding was, despite all of this, the big crisis in education in Pakistan is one of quality. Student learning outcomes remain extremely low. And we see, and you know, that's something that, is, that has been reiterated over the years. And if you compare the leaps sort of test scores for students from 2008 with other test scores and other test scores that have come out in 2016, 2017, 2018, you'll see that even after a decade, we just have not been able to move the needle on student learning outcomes at all. Since the original LEAPS report, we've branched out into a bunch of different studies that look at different systemic frictions or system-level obstacles that are holding schools back from being able to perform better. And then we've designed interventions to address those obstacles and to alleviate those frictions and have analyzed what happened. So, for instance, some of the big areas that we work in and some of the big obstacles that we've identified include information asymmetries in the area in, in between what parents know and what school owners know, lack of access to financial resources, you know, knowledge and innovation failures, etc. And these are all places that we've done uh, that we've done experimental interventions and uh, tried to figure out what works. So, one of the things that I can talk to you about, for example, is an intervention that we did in the area of information. We realize that parents don't actually have a systematic way of figuring out the quality of the schools that they have access to, to be able to decide which school they should put their kids in. And I'll go back and say, in the LEAP study, the average village has about eight schools in the village. There'll be about two public schools and six private schools. And so parents are actively making decisions about where to send their kids, right? Except how do you make that decision if you don't have complete information about what school is better than, you know, than others? And on the flip side, because there was no kind of signaling mechanism to tell parents what schools were doing, schools didn't really have an incentive to actually invest in quality enhancing inputs because there was nowhere to you know, communicate that better quality. So we went in with an intervention where we actually designed report cards and distributed them to parents. And these report cards were different in that they didn't just tell parents, you know, this is how your child performed. But they also said, this is how the school that your child goes to performed in comparison to all the other schools in your village. And what we found was that this, this intervention that was fairly simple and cost something to the tune of about 100 rupees per child, which is less than a dollar per child, we saw huge learning outcome gains and a bunch of other positive outcomes. So there was like a 42% increase in student test scores in treatment villages. And we saw that the worst schools shut down. And we saw that schools actually managed to drop their price levels, so schools became more affordable. And amazingly, we saw that even test scores for students in public schools improved. So, you know, that's one example of findings through an intervention that was done to address a friction. How generalizable are the findings from LEAPS? And what are any cultural or contextual constraints on the application of these findings to other countries? I think I'll start by saying that the challenges that Pakistan faces in terms of education 
are not isolated to Pakistan, right? They're fairly standard challenges that a lot of developing countries face, a lot of low and middle income countries face. And the thorny issue of stagnant test scores is something that even industrialized countries are facing, right? I mean, the PISA scores for the U.S. just came in this week, you know, the new ones, and everyone seems to be freaking out about the fact that the U.S. hasn't seemed to make too many gains in terms of student learning outcomes. So, so it's a difficult problem to solve, right? But what we see is when you're looking at interventions that address systemic issues, that address systemic frictions or like market failures or systemic obstacles, you are allowing for different actors within that system to be able to find solutions. You're empowering different actors in the in the ecosystem to be able to find solutions that work for them. And these solutions can be contextualized solutions. So for example, going back to the information piece, once there was a signaling mechanism, different schools did different things to try and improve test scores once it was a systematic process. So something like this is something that's quite generalizable. Right? And in fact, what we know is that the report card intervention has been fairly popular and is being used in a couple of different contexts, including in India, where an entire state is attempting to use this kind of information intervention to try and improve student learning outcomes. How can government schools compete with the demand for low-cost private schools? Well, low-cost private schools exist because government schools are just not doing their jobs well. Parents are voting with their feet, and it is a, a business opportunity for entrepreneurs who are stepping into this space. Public schools don't necessarily need to compete with private schools per se. This is an existential philosophical question that, that comes up over and over again in education. I guess part of the question is, what is the best way to deliver education and good quality education to the most students? What channels should be used? Who should pay for it? And you know what should the incentive structures and the systems in place be? And in that sense, public schools and private schools can actually be quite complementary to each other, which is something that LEAPS has found repeatedly. To, to answer your question, Private schools exist because public schools are not being able to do their job well. Were quality in public schools to improve, I'm sure we would see a reversal of this pattern. What new questions have emerged from LEAPS that you'd be interested in investigating in the future? We've seen a bunch of different areas that we think we can dive deeper into, right? So one area that we think that a lot more work can be done in is the area of political economy. So some of our new work is going to be emerging in the area of, well, how can you use education as a political question, something that rallies constituents and, and gets people to vote a certain way? Then another area that we're looking at, we haven't dived into as fully, is unpacking what happens inside classrooms. So looking at teachers, uh, looking at teacher behavior inside classroom, looking at teacher incentive structures, and then now also looking at teacher attitudes towards students and expectations from students. So we're beginning to sort of get more deeply into classrooms and, and asking and unpacking sort of the, the, the systems and the structures that are in place and the student-teacher dynamics that happen within classrooms. So that's some of our new work that's now going to be emerging. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You can find more information about Zainab's work at the Center for International Development's EPOD at epod.cad.harvard.edu. And you can follow EPOD on Twitter at epodharvard. To learn more about CID's research, events, and upcoming speaker series lectures, visit us at cid.harvard.edu.